We live in a world with different generations and this can be messy and confusing and beautiful and inspiring. Sometimes we need the time to pause, reflect and listen to each other and the XYZ Experiment podcast brings you these conversations. I'm Fiona, your Gen X, and joining me today is our Gen Y Dash and our Gen Z Luke. Welcome. So recently Gwyneth Paltrow was in Sydney and I had a read about what she was saying to a group of women And one of the things that she said was a story which really resonated with me. And I just wanted to share this one quote with you and see what you guys think about this. So Gwyneth shared that the only time criticism hurts is when someone says something about you that is already a judgment that you've made about yourself. Mm. And it really got me thinking about, I've recently had a lot of trouble taking criticism and And I'm wondering, is that because it's something I'm already thinking about myself and now that's just becoming a reality for me? And I just want to throw it out there. What does that quote mean to you or does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think think it's really well articulated there when you've got your own insecurities and you find them validated in the real world because we're always looking for examples of either that or the opposite. More so, we're actually probably looking for people to support those insecurities we have so when you do have that in like yeah when you have that occur it's quite it's quite confronting I think for me personally and actually I think this might be something that could be linked back to my generation as well I think a lot of my value is derived from the content I produce the things that I create as opposed to my individual traits maybe I already don't think super highly of myself. And so when that's validated in the real world in whatever way, whether that's real or imagined, it doesn't impact me as much, but I have a real strong connection and curiosity for how my works will, well, not only kind of assessed and acknowledged now, but in the future as well. And so I know when I initially started writing 18, 19, where I decided, you know what, maybe I'll try and commodify my writing. I'll try and have some sort of professional output as well. I know that that was quite a challenging period for me because I also started with poetry as my way of like putting feelers out for writing professionally. And poetry is like, it's known as like quite an abstract medium, but also I think a lot of that abstraction comes from the content. It's super, super vulnerable and personal. And a lot of the time really trying to communicate like those like, human experiences that just are universal, which is obviously a very challenging task to do. And so I know that when I was writing these really intimate pieces and and submitting them, and, you know, I was getting, I think I honestly got about 100 rejections before I got my first piece published. It was really, really hard to separate myself and my work. Yeah. And when I was, these editors were probably looking at the work for what it was, giving me comments and critiques on it and moving on. There was no real personal attack there. But when I was reading it, I couldn't help but feel as though they were making value judgments of me as a person and my experiences. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that was really hard to work through, developing resilience around that. Because, again, I think legacies are a huge part of my generation's concern about what we're leaving behind. And a lot of time that is through the production of I don't even really like using the word content, but I'm just using that as like a, an umbrella term for all forms of art and output. 
And so that was a very confronting experience to me to be like, wow, not only am I just kind of like this person that I don't think very highly of, but also I'm not really going to be producing anything meaningful either to the world. Wow. So when you, when you finally did get something published, did you celebrate that? Or Yeah, I, I did. I think, honestly, it was more relief for me. Okay. I had a lot of friends celebrating it. It was through um, my university magazine. Yes. They published a piece of my poetry and my friends you know, celebrated it and I had a lot of relief. But again, it was just kind of that initial feeling of value. Yeah. Like, wow, I've actually produced something that's of worth to this world. That's yeah. really, really cool. Do you feel for your generation and maybe for yourself that judgment sticks more than affirmation? And so if people were to say to you, oh, my gosh, your poetry is amazing, and I didn't even know you were a poet, so this is fun to find <laughs> out about you, um, would you take on the affirmations as much as you would the judgments or the rejections? Oh, absolutely not. Judgments and rejections, I think we're all, as I kind of said before, I think we're all looking for it more mm. so than looking for that validation. So it's not even like, as I said, not much celebration, more relief that I guess it's not a judgment. Yeah. And I think as well that it's tough because a lot of these comments, these affirmations and judgments are coming from platforms where they stick forever. Oh, there yeah. is like an aspect of permanence to them as well, which I think also makes the really, it more like, I guess, relieving that you're getting positive comments than their negative ones. I read a thing recently that, um, and I've probably, I might've brought this up before, correct me if I have, but um Take your age, so um, so I'll take, you know, 54, and they want you to write down 54 really positive things that you like about yourself or love about yourself, and it's all to be positive. So, you know, whatever age you are, that's the number, and you have to write down a line of each thing that you like, right? I got to about 18 or 19 and couldn't think of anything more. I thought, God, what more can I put down? But then my head flipped and thought, I bet I could write 54 I don't like. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that was a, that's the whole idea of it, Yeah, I think, to make you realise where your head's at. That's a scary aspect, you know. And I can understand, like, if you, like, you're putting yourself out there and then getting rejected and they're just doing it through a business, you know, that's not a personal thing totally at all. Totally professional, yeah. It's totally professional. That's all it is. And I wonder if they, do you think, they have the capacity to know, like they're trying to give it in a professional way because they understand it might crush you personally. Do you think they know that? Yeah, and like ultimately I'm one of every other artist that's doing the exact yeah. same thing. Uh, no good art comes from a place that isn't fully like transparent and honest. Yes. So they would really be looking at it and the rejection notices I'd get would be very sterile and clinical yeah. because that's that's all it is. Yeah. Um, Still a hard pill to swallow, but yeah, they definitely, they would know, but at the same time, they'd be expecting that as well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Do you feel like judgments or rejection hurts more, this is to both of you, when it's from people in your circle or people you have a connection with, as opposed to kind of something like an editor or um, someone you may not know? When the person who gives me the judgment or rejection is someone that I am close to and um, and and know me well, I actually really appreciate that. 
and mm-hmm. and it gives me those aha moments where I just go, oh, okay, like that that was really helpful. And you know, when it's a person who I feel doesn't know me, um, and it's a criticism or a judgment, I get really upset about it. Really, yeah, that's really interesting. I get really upset about it because I just think. Um, they have no idea who I am and they're making a call on that and my intention may have been something completely different. So, yeah, so I've realised that about myself because I've been thinking about it a lot, about how I take criticism Um, and it's not good if it's from someone who I don't know or don't respect. Not that I don't respect them, that's the wrong word. It's just that I, I... I, I can take it more from someone I know, yeah. Because I think that's coming from a good place, you know, right. and they're just doing it to help me. Would so, you say the opposite, Dash? Yeah, I think I'm the opposite. Yeah, same. <laughs> See, I'm the other way around. <laughs> younger sure. generation. I mean, I do sometimes wonder whether or not, you know, we went through all of our schooling with a lot of kind of affirmation and this mm. is your tribe and this is See, your circle I did and all of this kind of stuff and, yeah. and how to take feedback yeah whatever but I'm curious um Fiona in terms of when you are hearing criticism or judgment from people that are not in your circle and you're getting upset about it is it because you are taking it as a personal attack or is it because you're feeling misunderstood I think a lot of it's misunderstood yeah they don't understand my intention behind it and uh I'm a, I, I actually can say this about myself. I'm actually a really good person and yeah. I really have good intentions for things and I want nothing but the best and, and I have put high expectations and standards on myself. Um, and so when I get the criticism from people who maybe don't know that, I find it really hard to take, really hard. Hmm. Do you feel like we have high expectations and standards of ourselves? I'm just trying to think if... That's the difference as well from the younger generation. I bet you do. Yeah. Because being Gen X, like when I grew up in school, there was none of that positive affirmation and it yeah. was the school of hard, hard knocks, honestly. Like you knew if you were bottom of the heap or top of the heap and mm. and so we've really grown up with that, you know. Um, yeah, really growing up with that. But I feel like for our generations the pendulum swung yeah, it's gone too the other far way. the other way, yeah. and we get participation medals just yeah. for showing up. You know, you never have that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you didn't succeed, uh, you weren't like told that's okay. You participated. You were told that's not okay. <laughs> you need you to suck. do better. Yeah, yeah, you suck. That's that's how we grew up with it. It's just it's very very different. And yeah, and I I think now um, and and then so. Through my early years, like through my 20s and 30s and 40s, nothing could touch me, like any sort of criticism and that really went, like it really didn't bother me that much. But now I've got over 50, it does bother me a bit more now. And I don't know whether it's, if my brain chemistry is a bit different after menopause or what it is, but I found it, I think I'm more emotional in my 50s than I've ever been, like more emotionally, and I'm not sure why. I'm sure it's something chemically um but yeah I just get a little bit more affected and I think also when you get over 50 you're like what's my relevance in this world what am I doing I'm running out of time to do all the things I want to do to make my mark you know um yeah you have all those sorts of thoughts in your head I'm not where I should be I should be more successful or I should be richer or I should be you know um 
yeah, I should have written that book. I should have written that poem. You know, you have all these things about what have I been doing with my life? So what would be an example of a judgment that you have received where you went, ooh? Because I guess what I'm trying to untangle is, is it about, like Luke was sharing, about content you're producing or is it about you as a person? No, me as a person. Mm. Yeah, so it's not about content I'm producing. I think it's me as a person. When someone um, makes, oh, like, so some of the things I really get upset about is, like, when people say uh, things about, oh, I know you haven't been able to do that because, like, your your health. Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because mm. I don't live by my health. My yeah. health is just something that I've got. But I don't define myself by my health at all. And I know people who do. Yeah. Um, and I get really cross if if they, like, it really upsets me that people will just go, well, let's not bother her because, you know, she's she can be... Yeah, she's got type 1 diabetes, so we don't want to overstress her. And I'm like, when have I shown the capacity that I can't do it because I've got type 1 diabetes? Yeah. That really annoys me. Or, or my age or that I'm a little bit more tired. And I am a little bit more tired sometimes, but like they think your capacity's down somehow. And it's not. It's, it's not. And so it's got me to the point now where I won't share anything with some people anymore about my health or how I didn't get a good sleep last night. You know, conversations that I would have had really easily with someone just said, oh, last night the dog drove me nuts and kept me up all night. I'm a bit weary today. I wouldn't even share that today because then I'm worried they're going to use it as a judgment that however the day goes, I, it was because I was weary today. But it's not. I was weary 10 years ago and I was fine. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I really hate that. I really, really hate that. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, total sense. I've got a question for you then because in terms of like being given or receiving judgment from close friends or confidants mm. as opposed to people that I don't know, mm. because you mentioned before you were quite affected by people you don't know making judgments maybe because you feel like it's um, they're misinterpreting you or they clearly don't have the context to make a judgment like yeah. that. Do you feel then this like compulsion to try and explain to them or or make them see that they're wrong yes yeah yeah and that's exhausting yeah, yeah. which is really interesting yeah. dash let me know if you feel this way because the way that i actually look at it is the opposite where i feel as though if i were to be getting judgment and criticism from people that don't really know me i would very much just be at peace with the fact that they don't know me and mm. therefore it doesn't really matter what they say it doesn't really have as much value because it's not coming from a place of like coherent logic Whereas I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if I were to receive it from someone that was close to me, I feel like, whoa, like they know me. They know what I'm about. And the fact that they're giving me this criticism, it almost feels a little bit more intimate, a little bit more like, even if it's just about my work, it feels like it's a few layers deeper than that. Mm. Dash, do you feel that way? I do feel that way. And I think one of the things I read um, and listened to, Brene Brown, of course, says this often, and it was very affirming for me when I realised, oh, I don't really take notice of what the broader people are saying about me or I don't take that on board. And she said, you know, get a really tiny sticky note and write down the names of people who are in the arena with you. Yeah. And it's only the feedback and the criticism from those guys 
that you listen to and take on board. And I think I'd always subconsciously been like that. It was always just those types of people where I'm like, oh, yeah, you are in the arena with me or you are doing something similar. I can respect the feedback you're giving me about that or you have a good understanding of what this takes or or who I am as a person. And so, yes, I might get criticism about things I might have said that were not nice or things that um, ways I might have behaved that were not okay. If that comes from my husband, I'm 100% taking that on board. Mm. If it comes from a random on the street that doesn't know the context, I'm not taking that on board. Mm. One of my sisters said something to me a while ago um, when we we did this leadership program, you had to um, give these questions to people who were close to you, like very close friends or family, and to give you some feedback about yourself. And one of my sisters said to me, um, which really shocked me, and I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but she said, not everybody has to like you. Ah. And uh, that was a real aha moment for me that I try to make everybody like me all the time. And I think so when I get, it was really quite a shock for me. She was the only one who wrote something. She wrote quite a harsh critique, which was actually very helpful, but a shock, a real shock when she wrote it. So I was like, oh my God. But then a realization that, oh, you know, she's right. What she, the feedback she's giving me. And I think that's sometimes what comes into this, why I don't take kindly to criticism from people I don't know very well because I want everybody to like me yeah. you know like and so I, I I try to reflect on that I try to reflect that that's okay last night I was watching um I can't remember who it was now but they said 15% of people that you meet statistically will not actually like you mm. And so they said, just remember that 15% of people won't like you and that's okay. And in fact, you don't want them to like you. But do you like everybody? I do. I do like you? everybody. Oh my gosh. It's very rare for me not to like somebody. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I once had a, I once, um, when I worked at a very big, um, uh, a very big dental clinic, one of the dentists there once told me, and you know, there's 42 dentists there, that every dentist here thinks you're their best friend. That's what she told me because I, I like everybody and I do like everybody. I do like to go and chat. Can I just throw you just a question which you don't have to agree with just yeah. to rub up against? Yeah. Do you think that you genuinely like everyone or there's some sort of like relief as well that they it's a mutual liking, like they like you and therefore it's... Easier to like them back. Yeah. No, so one of my favourite sayings for a long time was from Benjamin Franklin who said, I don't like that man very much so I better get to know him better. And so mm. I lived my life like that for a long time. Like if I didn't like someone, I'd get to know them a bit better and then I would like them. So, wow. yeah. And I would put that out as a quote quite often of how I lived my philosophy in life. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've made enemies along the way and there's people I don't talk to anymore and things like that. Like let's be realistic. But genuinely I try to like everybody. I genuinely do. It's so interesting because I don't like everyone and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so okay with people not liking me. Yeah, see, I don't like people not liking me. I realise that now as I've got older. That, But it's a, it's, it's, I don't know whether that's a generational thing or whether that's a Fiona thing. I don't know. Mm. Something I'm working on. <laughs> How about you, Dash? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. Um, I... 
don't feel like I get upset by judgment too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I have experienced a lot of rejection, a lot of rejection. You know, I was bullied through primary school because I was the only brown-skinned kid. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of rejection through work, similar to you, Luke, where I apply for, I feel like it's hundreds, but probably 20 to 30 grants a year, and of that maybe two or three might get up. And so people see the two or three and are like, oh, my God, amazing, but there's like 20 or 30 that got rejected that didn't even go out to review. They thought it was so bad, you know, <laughs> like, and so... I feel like I'm pretty good with that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good with my work being judged. I feel like I'm pretty good with um, separating that from who I am. But one of the things that I probably find interesting is people's projections of who I am. So maybe that's also a judgment that they're making on me, but they're projecting and potentially are unhappy with who I am and the space I take up and how I behave and... Um, We'll never say that to my face, but we'll say it to other people and it gets back to me. And so, you know, I have been told I'm a very scary person by people or um, potentially that they're surprised that I've achieved that or, you know, kind of just being dismissed a little bit about some of the things that I have done in my life. Who tells you the gossip? How do you, find, how do you hear it? Well, I do have an incredible tribe on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, people, and that's the other thing that I find bizarre about people is they are telling people who are friends of mine yeah. things about me. And I'm like, do you not think that that's going to get back to me? That I know. people aren't going to then say, oh my gosh, this person said that about you. And it, it happens quite often. And so, and then when I meet the person who has said that about me face to face, they're nice as pie to yeah, me, to my yeah. face. Yeah. Um, but I know all of these awful things that they have said about me and being called a bitch and being called all sorts of like mean or kind of derogatory things and then to my face there, oh, and the thing that gets me is often then they'll ask for my help about things (laughs) and then I'm like, no. (laughs) So do you think this is more jealousy? I do and I've been reflecting on it quite a bit that whole tall poppy syndrome situation. And I had dinner with one of my really good friends um, on Friday night and it was such a good dinner to have because I've had a big week and I've had quite a few achievements that have happened this week work-wise. So a book that I'd been writing with with some of my colleagues got published and so a lot of accolades around that. Um, Ran a few forums as well this week, which had gone really well. And... Um, we were just talking about the fact that there is a sense of tall poppy kind of syndrome that sometimes happens where people think that comes really easily, that I haven't had to work my ass off to get that across the line, that it didn't take nights and evenings and that I'm exhausted to get the output that I've had. But I've made the choice to do that. I've made the sacrifice to do that. And then I'm reaping the benefits of that now being out there in the world and that the criticism often comes from people who haven't done that themselves. And so we were just unpacking that and just she was talking about it as well in the sense of um, the relationships that she builds and the amount of work that she invests in people and how people think that just comes easily and, oh, you have all these friends and it's amazing, but just that people don't appreciate 
the mental load and the thinking and the energy and the effort that goes behind that. So that's why I sometimes think, well, you're not in the arena. You're not doing what we're doing. And so I'm not going to take what you say about me, not to me, but about me <laughs> personally. Because you do work hard. Yeah. You're one of the hardest working people I know. So like. hard. <laughs> so you hear that and you go, that's not true. Yeah, like you I can s- actually say that to yourself. That's not true. I know why. I know why I'm this successful. I know why. I work for it. Yeah, and I, I don't. It's not necessarily that I'm like, oh wow, I'm this most successful person. But I know for every goal that I have kicked, hmm. that the amount of work that has sat behind that, and I love work, and I love the work that I do, and even like things like the non-work things that I do. And one of my friends did ask me. Um, you know, what gives you a sense of achievement or joy outside of work? And there's a lot of things, but I work just as hard for those as well. And so I find, you know, this podcast is one of them. Like mm. I have had people being like, oh, my God, Dash and the Bloody Podcast. And I'm like, okay, what what are you jealous of? That yeah. you're not doing the podcast? Yeah. That I haven't asked you to be on the podcast? Like one word that I would never, ever use to describe you is the word bitch. Like, I'm stunned that word comes out of people's mouths. Like, really stunned. This is not a word that would even, I would even put into a circle around you at all. Well, you guys are very nice. No, no, I'm really (laughs) surprised. I'm really, really surprised. Yeah. It says more about them than it does about you, I tell you. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think of examples where even people in your peripheral, like in your further out from being closely related to you, how they would perceive you. And I, I was lucky enough to do one of your courses a few months back and there would have been quite a few people there that weren't familiar with you. Mm. And I found it so like so personable. Not only was it informative because you're amazing what you do, but you were so engaging and you're always trying to facilitate conversation. But at the same time, because it, it was, you know, research methods is a pretty... Dry subject. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be overwhelming for people that aren't from that field. Um, but you were making it so... You know, even anyone that was overwhelmed, you're making it so easy to like digest. So I'm just shocked. Well, I mean, but this is, uh, thank you for that feedback. I mean, like it it is really nice to hear that, but I've had people who've sat in that course and years later said, oh, I did your course and I was so scared of you. Wow. Yeah. And then they got to know me and they're like, you're not actually scary. But I was like, wow. Like, and I think the public speaking thing, often throws people that they're like, wow, she's so confident she can get up there and speak publicly. And they, if they are scared of public speaking, then they project onto me, you're scary because you're, you're okay with public speaking or you're, you know, there's something about that that I often get feedback about. I, I think that is something, to be honest, because I've had that feedback that I'm too confident. Yeah. And you just go, really? Like it's just me normally. So yeah. I, I do get that. Yeah, that, that people can be overwhelmed by that, the or, confidence. Or like, you know, because I've had a, a few speaking gigs um, recently and, you know, everyone will come up and say, oh, that was such a great speech. Loved it, loved it, amazing. Mm. And then I'd have one comment go, oh, yeah, you just did it again, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you have success? How dare you? How dare you be able to talk How publicly and confident? not be annoying yeah. about How it? How dare you? Yeah. And the greatest insult I can call you is a bitch. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's what I mean. It's just weird. And sometimes I'm like, is it because I'm a brown girl and you don't expect that from me, oh, that you don't expect from my voice? Racism in it. Yeah, yeah, I do sometimes feel like there's some unconscious racism. I'm a short brown person who can be funny and speak yeah. and I don't speak with an accent and all of that. I think I'm sometimes unexpected for people and they don't know what to do about that. Where to put you, what box. Yeah. I can see it being gendered as well. Yeah. Taking up space as a woman, I can see that being quite threatening and confronting to a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. So you seem to cope with it quite well, though, with what people will say. It's not feeding into anything you feel about yourself. No. No. But I, I think... I am so fortunate to have people like you guys, yeah. but also, you know, my husband and, and um, some really close friends yeah. who ground me 100%. Like that, yeah. you, you'll tell me if I've done something that was really ridiculous or silly yeah. or, or whatever, but also will say, you deserve that. Like yeah. you, that was amazing, you know, and so that helps. It helps to balance it out. Yeah. I think if I was only getting... How dare you take up the space? How dare yeah. you? Like, you don't deserve to be here. I would probably find that hard to yeah. manage. How about you, Luke? I think I'm someone that initially when I get that that comment, that critique, that judgment, it, it hits me quite hard. Mm. Um, my, like, just racing thoughts, trying to kind of figure out what those judgments support in terms of my own internal beliefs. And after... After that initial kind of taking it in and absorbing it, I think that I'm pretty good at just kind of letting it go. Mm. I think I used to be a lot more sensitive than I am now. Mm. And I think a lot of that resiliency does come from the way I kind of look at it is that any kind of occupation you go into, even if it's something that you're passionate about, I think you tend to find there's one or two aspects of it that you find challenging. And that's because it, represents elements of yourself that you still need to work through and so even though I loved writing and I loved the idea of expressing myself through writing I realized that a huge challenge was having the confidence to you know not that you have to publicize your writing to be a writer but making my writing public and putting it out there and taking that criticism I think that was something that I had to work through one way or another and through my writing that's how I did it and so I think that now I'm a lot stronger and able to take on that criticism and not only just live with it, but also be able to extract from it actual like valuable points that I can use to develop myself as well. And you, Fiona? I go see the psychologist. <laughs> That's good though. Yeah, absolutely to work through it. He goes to me like, <laughs> she'll say, where's this strong, confident Fiona? Pull yourself together. <laughs> Which is true. I sometimes just need to be told that, you know, and I need it by someone who's not connected to the situation or, you know, that's away from it and we can talk through it. And, and, and I know this sounds weird, but at the end of the conversation, I'll be like, yeah, why was I so worried about that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why that worried me so much. It just seems silly now. So, yeah, so I do, I do take care of myself that way. Of course, I've got a good support network as well. My hardest thing about my friends is a lot of my friends are in the same boat as me, um, finding it hard in our later years. And, and um, so some of those conversations aren't so great for me because we're, both, we're feeding into it, you know, feeding you each spiral. other a lot. Yeah, yeah, so I have to be really careful around that. So, um, 
just making sure I surround myself with the right people like yourselves, you know, and things like that. Just, yeah. yeah. Just making sure we don't spiral with each other. Um, making those stories come true. <laughs> yeah. Self-fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, self-fulfilling. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though, because I think in the inner circle, as you were saying, um, when the people do give you criticism yeah. or, or feedback or however you want to phrase it, um, you know, it's that concept of iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And how important that is to have those voices that you trust and admire and respect sharpening you and you're sharpening them back. Yeah. And I do think sometimes when your circle might be going through a crisis that might not be that they might be able to sharpen you, but you might be sharpening them or supporting them yeah. during that period. Um, and then if, if the voices are too much to step out and be like, okay, for my own sake, I need to step out of this space. Um, I think is totally okay. Yeah. Hi everyone, it's Dash. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. If you've enjoyed our show and um, like what you're hearing, tell all your friends and family and hit that subscribe button. If you want to hear our updates and know when episodes drop, follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment for all the latest updates and news. And our original music was composed and performed by the amazing Luke Champion.